Well, hello and welcome to this uh, podcast in this series that we're broadcasting to accompany Aon's latest DC Pension and Financial Wellbeing Employee Research. My name's John Foster and today I'm joined by uh, Ollie Walker and Debbie Falvey, who I'm going to ask just to briefly introduce themselves. Yeah, thanks, John. So, Ollie Walker, I'm in Aon's financial wellbeing team and part of our retirement practice. Hi, and I'm I'm Debbie. So, like Ollie, work across financial wellbeing, um, DC across EMEA, and uh, I'm also global product manager for Well One. Well, thanks very much, both. And um, today we're going to talk about the aspect of the research that's focusing on on financial well-being and we want to pick out some of the high level observations from the research but also just to dive into a bit of more detail about those with Ollie and Debbie as, as subject matter experts in, in this particular area. So I'm going to ask the first difficult question for you guys. Debbie, what are we seeing employers doing in the financial well-being space and, and has this changed as a result of COVID? Yeah, so before COVID, there was a definite growing need in, in employers to provide support across all areas of well-being. So typically we describe that as physical, social, emotional, financial and career. And also a recognition that there's a really big interconnection between those things. So if I'm struggling with my financial health, my mental health might suffer, my physical health might suffer too. So that was already happening pre the, the arrival of COVID. But lots of firms had concentrated in the past on the sort of physical aspect of well-being. So steps, challenges, those types of things uh, were very popular. But we had seen a massive growth in just general financial education, well-being support. As COVID hit, we were expecting and were right in that there was a greater demand for support around financial well-being work. What we were really thought might happen was that employers would want to help people think about managing their attitudes to pension investment, particularly in volatile markets. But actually, what the demand was, was really basic sessions on how to manage your money. And, you know, that sort of general, very simple support around adopting healthy financial habits. And that was probably a bit of a surprise. But those sessions were really, really well received. That's really interesting. And, and, and I think it's obviously interesting to see how they've responded to those challenges in, the, in this sort of new and different environment. Just broadening that, Ollie, what challenges do you think employers and employees face on a broader basis? Yeah, the key issue for me is employers being able to connect employees with the financial products and support that they're making available. So as Debbie mentioned there, financial education, most employers now provide a range of financial support in particular. We know over 75% following COVID are providing access to financial education, but a lot of employees are, are really just not appreciating that. So from the 2021 Financial Wellbeing Survey, we heard back that almost half of employees didn't think their employees were offering any form of support, which we know is not the case. And, and perhaps even more alarmingly, only 15% of employees thought it was any good. So there was a, a light bulb moment for some of our clients there where they realized that actually if they were going to have any success, employees won't go and find these products themselves. They have to take them to it. And that kind of chimes with what employees told us in the survey. If we look at the top two biggest requests, which represented over 50% of people's responses, it was, tell me 
how or give me guidance on how much I should be saving. And secondly, give me access to all my financial information, all that financial content in one place so I can access it easily. Now, interestingly, if we look at products and, and adding more products, that didn't seem to come through so strongly in the survey. It was only, I think, just around 3% of employees who said they wanted access to further, let's say, debt support. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. There's a small minority for whom that's very important for. But we should think carefully about which products we put in place. And if there are those out there listening to this that are wanting some reassurance about whether they've got the right financial well-being products, they can click through to our website and take part in our free financial well-being gap analysis. Okay, so there's lots of good stuff going on, but the employees themselves aren't necessarily either aware of it or accessing it as consistently at a high level as, as they could. Debbie, what, what, what ways do you see as, as the sort of best ways, if you like, to connect employees to the products that are being made available to them? Yeah, it's really interesting, these stats, isn't it, about um, people not recognising what they've got available. And, and Ollie was talking about the UK survey, but interestingly, we did something similar across EMEA, got exactly the same results, which is the, you know, the same challenge. Lots of benefits, people don't understand them, and actually have a real need to understand their own circumstances in detail. So if you're going to try and do that really well, then using digital tools is definitely the thing to think about, because... That allows you to just do things at a more personalized level so that people can actually make the connection between how those products work for them. So we, we've worked really hard on that in Aon, and we, we have a number of tools that, that do exactly that. So Well One Money being a good example of that, which is a tool that allows you to aggregate all your financial affairs into one place. And that tool can actually analyze your spending habits and send you relevant discount vouchers uh, based on your preferred shopping, rather than typically happen now where you have to trawl through a very long list in a discount site and try and find something that works for you. So, so th those discounts are brought directly to you within your app. And equally within Well One, where we we have the health and financial well-being content in an app format that is bringing personalised AI coaching based on how I interact with the app. So again, I'm going to get much more focus on what's right for me, what's what's relevant to me now, what am I thinking about, what are my challenges? And we think that's a, that's the way that, that this will go. And good pension schemes with good digital content can also do the same thing to a large degree. They can bring age-relevant content to support the pension journey in a better way. I don't really need to read about retirement options when I'm 25. It's so far away. It's, it's not really relevant to me. But I do need to work out how to balance my pension savings with the rest of the demands on my finances. So having tools within my pension website that help me do that is really helpful. So, you know, using the technology to its best capability was one very good way of connecting employees to products. Thanks, Debbie. Yeah. And so listening to, to the discussion there, I think the almost the problem of having perhaps lots of different products to look to and perhaps some method of, of sort of bringing the right elements of that to the individual through technology is, is a really powerful way of doing that. If there was one product you would you would add uh, to the uh, to market space, what would it be? I'll ask you first, Ollie. Okay, thanks, Anna. The one that I would suggest companies have a look at, and again, do the analysis to make sure that this is right for your employees, but if it's one product, I would guess that 
it might be adding a savings vehicle to go alongside your pension plan to help address that issue that comes through in this year's financial wellbeing survey that one in four of us in the UK couldn't find a thousand pounds in an emergency. And this rises to as high as a third when we look at sort of mid-career people, those are age 35 to 45. And I think that can have a not only an impact on individuals, but on your business. For example, one client said when they look through their reasons people were saying for not being able to come into work, it was things like, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford to get the car fixed to this month until I get my paycheck coming in. So putting alongside a fund that people can put into to save for a rainy day, and again, giving them some guidance on how much they should build up in there, whether it's two or three months worth of salary, I think could be really helpful. Yeah, and I'd agree with that, Ollie. I think, but I think there's another dimension to this, which is really helping people develop a healthy relationship with money um, and get them in a better mindset so that actually they can then choose to access those products and services. So I have a bit of a message about, you know, being bad with money is just not cool. Um, and everybody can be better once they understand their own attitude to money, why they react to it in the way they do, and to help them develop those better, healthier ideas. So, so we focus a lot in some of our educational content. It's not not on the you know the nuts and bolts of what a pension does or how an ISA works, those types of things, but much more about getting some basic principles under your belt and some good healthy habits. So, and it is quite surprising that we have to talk to, about these things, but they are they always go down extremely well and people respond really positively. So things like, you know, not spending more than you earn, don't give money away. I mean, you wouldn't walk down the street giving away 20 pound notes, but by not keeping tabs on what you're spending in direct debits and standing orders, you're probably doing that. Understanding debt, having the emergency fund, making sure your loved ones are protected and not leaving money on the table. So by that, we mean make use of all the things that are on offer to you, but you need to invest some time in understanding them. But if you don't help people understand why why they react to money the way they do, then, then actually getting the best of those benefits is, is they're probably still not going to do. So we have to develop those those sort of emotional intelligence around money, I think. So that's something we're really focusing on uh, with our financial well-being sessions that we run. Debbie, you raised with that one good point that those healthy habits are globally applicable such that for some clients, we've been able to run financial well-being seminars, education, on a, a regional or even a, a global basis rather than country by country as a way of connecting with more people quicker uh, as we went into the COVID crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, it still surprises me that you can pretty much pitch up anywhere in the world and talk about those things and people understand it and appreciate it. So this is a sort of global phenomenon, you like of people just not getting the basics somehow along the way. I don't know, things that perhaps in previous generations were taught as children. I, I don't know, but it does seem to be a massive need uh, right around the world. And it, and it does seem that um, em- employers are the sort of focal point, if you like. For employees look to their employers to give them guidance in these areas. They expect that to come through their employer. So it's actually joining up some of those dots using products that are available with those ideas that you've discussed today. What about those employers, Ollie, who, who, who basically have, so this is all sounds really, really great, but I've, I've, I've just got no budget to do this. Yeah, well, I would say in the last two to three years, 
the provider market in the the retirement space has really moved on and people want to go back and have a look as to whether they're really getting the best out of their provider or whether actually there's a number of well-being propositions that the provider would add on for free so take for example aon's pension solutions the master trust or gpp within that you can get free additional savings through ISAs, access for employees to free financial education. You can get the WellOne app that Debbie talked about, which does that piece that employees say is so important to aggregate their savings in one place and give them guidance on how much to save. So just going back to look at your providers or considering going out to market for a reviewer of providers, can be a way of getting all of the financial well-being support you might need bundled into a single proposition. Thanks, Ollie. If you were to sort of sum up then, as we draw the, this particular podcast to a close, what would be the the three main takeaways for people to be thinking on when they stop listening to this? Yeah, sure. So if I was to leave those that have been kind enough to listen to the end with three key takeaways, the first would be to really understand what your employees want whether that's through surveys or using a wealth of data you'll already have on them, to secondly then be able to assess whether there really are any gaps in your current financial wellbeing proposition and products. And then thirdly, and hopefully this will come across, is most importantly, focus on the tools that you use to make sure that you're actually connecting employees to the products that are appropriate for them and potentially make use of technology because that's where we're all really going to have an impact and start making a change in this space great thank you ollie and and thank you debbie for your thoughts today that's been a really interesting discussion and i hope uh, all those listening found some gems in there that you could take away and apply in your work environment and just as a reminder, you can access the full details of, of the research and the report by clicking on the link that comes alongside the text that you, uh, you saw accompanying this podcast. So please do help yourself to a copy of the research report and look out for further installments of these podcasts as they're released. Thanks again. And I'll bid you good day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, John. Really enjoyed it.